Hello, and welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Larry of Mr. Larry. Hello there. Now, before we jump into all our quilty and crafty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Larry? Well, um, I go by Mr. Larry, and that's the nickname I've had since I have been doing arts and crafts tutorials for children, adults, people of all ages um, over the last 20 years or so. And so now I do that online and I share um, the joy of making with as many people as possible. So um, as you previously mentioned, on your social media, you feature and do several different crafts from scrapbooking, fabric dyeing and sewing, painting and more. How and when did you discover quilting? And are you a self-taught quilter? I I discovered quilting um, in college. I come from a small southern town and the tradition down there is that, you know, all the old ladies quilt together and they have families who have quilts that are, you know, tons and tons of generations old. I didn't have that for my particular family. So I started out painting in the manner of quilting, taking bits and pieces of different things, collaging them together. And eventually as my sewing improved through that practice, I started to try actual quilts. And and that's really just been the last 10 years. Even uh, so much as recently, I've just started to try my first actual quilt pattern. But I love it so much, um, and I love the um, the array of styles that there are. I just recently went to QuiltCon, and that blew my mind. So for someone who might not be familiar with your work, can you describe your quilting style for us? I tend to stick to a geometric style. I like the appearance of, um, of a... Uh, of an improv quilt. I like lots of different many, you know, different pieces and different colors, different textures if possible, uh, sort of colliding together. But because of my um, my methodical nature, I also like it to be very organized. So I'm trying to find my way around all of those things and maybe lean a little more organic when the time feels right. And I'm curious, which quilt pattern are you following? I did a small tutorial that starts um, a, a log cabin block. And so I've done that a couple of times just with experimentation, but I really like the look of it. So now I'm going to start my first actual quilt using that block for the whole thing. And I'm really excited about it. It's really simple for someone who might be intimidated by quilting like I'm sure you all know a lot of people are. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a beast of a hobby. You know, there's all... All the tools. That's what I get overwhelmed by. There's just, there's so many rulers and things to measure with and plastic things. And I just, you know, you walk into the store and you see the wall of them and you're like, which do I need? Well, you know, you learn that you need whatever you want. I made my first quilts on a little $80 machine that I got from my local department store. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) It's a nice little queen size quilt, but I I just used straight pins. I used that little machine and, um, and, and time and YouTube. And somehow it came out. This was, this was about 10 years ago. And since then I've gotten better, but that one is not that bad (laughs) when I look back on it. (laughs) So when you're creating 
where do you gather inspiration and do you have a different sources based on the craft that you're working on at the time? I have found, especially since I've um, sort of serialized my explorations, is that a lot of my inspiration for different kinds of projects tend to be the same. Um, I really enjoy 80s and 90s nostalgia, especially things that were geared towards kids like me during that time. So Punky Brewster, Lisa Frank, Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, um, Troll Kids, all that kind of stuff, like the colorfulness of it. There's... um, there's just something carefree about it that I think I try to capture now as an adult. And so those colors tend to run through my projects, no matter what medium I'm working in. Um, the only time I tend to get moodier is with some of my painting and that tends to be more expressive anyway. So that makes sense there, but they even still come out pretty colorful. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just like to carry the same kinds of, um, inspiration with me because those are all the things that I'm trying to curate my life with. And hopefully that will impact my mental health and, you know, my, my, my thoughts on the future and all those sorts of things. This is really all just a big therapy exercise for myself. In addition to all your crafting work, you also are an art director for a marketing agency. Does your work in the marketing and graphic design field impact your sewing and other crafting endeavors? So far, yes. Um, in fact, the the company I work for just recently rebranded. And as the art director, it was my responsibility to sort of curate what that brand looked like. And unintentionally, it ended up looking very much like something Mr. Larry might do. <laughs> um, and it definitely is its own thing. But um, but even so, it's bright colors. It's, uh, it's playful and whimsical, but still has... Um, degrees of professionalism and that, you know, we can always tailor it to whatever we're doing, but it's very much in line with the kind of work that I do in sewing and painting and everything else. Um, so I think that's kind of funny. I try not to um, bridge that gap too often, <laughs> but when it works, it really works nicely. And, uh, and that makes me feel good. And when you are creating and crafting, do you find that uh, you sometimes start off um, on the digital medium and then move on to like more of a I don't know, fabric kind of medium. <laughs> I have gone that way a few times. It's more it's more frequent that I do the opposite. I usually start with sketching or, or drawing something and then I'll digitize it. And then sometimes I'll make it in another medium. Um, but, but just only recently, since I've become more comfortable with digital drafting, um, working with After Effects, doing motion graphics and things, that I now might take a concept that I start there and then turn that into... I don't know, a jacket or something or a quilt design. In fact, I just recently had a quilt um, pattern that, you know, improv quilt pattern that I did turned into a puzzle. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes those, those, uh, those bridges are in unexpected places, um, but I'm always open to creativity in whatever form it might manifest itself. Now, you've mentioned that you have a personal mission to pursue design for good. Can you tell us more um, kind of what inspired this and, you know, how you live that uh, motto? I was fortunate to do a lot of um, design for good based projects in my uh, graduate school studies. Um, I went to Kent State University for my master's program. And, and the program is really founded in design research, which means you're working with real issues and sometimes working with demographics that need specifically communication assistance. Um, so we're looking at things like um, like local uh, 
clinic chains and how they can better communicate with their community in need. Um, a lot of the projects that we were, one of the projects that we worked on involved illustrating a guide for people in developing countries to learn how to better manage their water and sanitation practices. And I got to work on that project uh, for years and years after graduation even. Uh, so that vein of thinking has sort of been instilled in me as a professional, as a designer, um, as an instructor, however, as a teacher, I just always feel that same kind of urge with my students. And now that my classroom is a bit bigger, uh, I still feel that same uh, draw to support and assist and expose people to things that they may have otherwise been afraid to endeavor, afraid to look into. Um, and with that comes the reality that not everyone is in a wonderful place all the time. And sometimes that the struggle of real life gets between you and your desire to make something or be creative. And so I think incorporating that into the things that I do and the reality of all of that, especially because it's very much a reality for me, um, I think that that helps me to further that mission even more and makes that mission even deeper than just, here's how to color a picture. You know, it's maybe more like, here's how to relieve your mind of the stress that you've dealt with all week. Um, and so that that is, again, a personal mission. It's something that helps myself, but also, you know, if anyone else can hear it and wants to try something out, here you go. So on top of that, one of your goals that you've shared is that you want to um, you want to help people make their space in this world a bright and more creative space, uh, specifically uh, through your video content. Can you tell us more about this as well? Absolutely. I find that as a black man, a cisgender man, um, there aren't a lot of people who look like me in this sphere of crafts and arts and things. Um, and so there's this idea of masculinity that I think doesn't always coexist with creativity and self-nurturing and things like that. So I think that my presence in the space is just a much is just as much a part of of that knowledge and that recognition um, as a black man who crafts and 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 is uh, one of very few that I found online. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important to have that representation uh, and to be that representation if possible. I know that not everyone wants to do that, um, but I, I find joy in it. And I think that it's a privilege that I get to to do that sort of thing. Um, a lot of people who look like me and, and think like me and are in a similar position often find their space shrunken. You know, it's you live in where you live where you can live, you get the job you can get, and you, you know, live with the means that you're given. But there are so many more ways to influence all of that by just using your two hands. You know, if you're willing to grasp those ideas and those concepts and play around with them a bit. And not everyone gives themselves that. Uh, the permission to do that. Certainly black men, straight men, you know, cis identifying men uh, tend to be on the lower end of that, um, of that hill. So I'm hopeful that my presence will give more people permission to try those things out and then enhance their lives through, I don't know, beautifying something, making something more personal, making something more specific to you because everybody deserves that. 
Not everyone has the ability to paint a picture and hang it on their wall and say, this is great and this is what I wanted. But there's no harm in trying. And it certainly opens your mind if you do try. And, you know, maybe you'll connect to someone who can do that for you. So, you know, just the, the idea that you can connect with other people who are trying to do the same thing as you, maybe in different ways, I think is what builds community. And um, our community needs to look uh, like all of us. I really love how you are like through your work and just through your videos that you're changing the stereotypes, especially in the whole crafting world as well, which I really love. <laughs> but anyway, so how do you come up with um, different ideas for your videos? A lot of my videos start out as, oh, I've never seen that thing in this store before. <laughs> or I'm scrolling through TikTok or Instagram like everybody else. And I'm like, that's a cool idea. And then I, you know, maybe suppose I could do something with that idea or something similar. Um, sometimes, a lot of times in, in the earlier days of Mr. Larry, it was about this is a project that maybe we all have seen, but don't know where it came from. We don't know how to start doing it. And so here's a little introduction. And um, and now we're all on the same page. You know, maybe you'll take that further and, and embrace it and explore that some more. Maybe that's not your thing. So we move on to the next thing. Um, and there are just so many different ways to be crafty and artistic that are inexpensive, that are very highly accessible. I mean, any dollar store around you probably has a whole art supplies aisle at this point. So cost prohibitive things are sort of um, we're seeing fewer and fewer cost prohibitive artistic expression mediums. Um, and I think that's a wonderful thing because some people, for them, that is the barrier. It's maybe I can't afford that thing or maybe I've never really looked at that thing closely enough to know how easy it might be to do. Um, and so sometimes it's very selfish of me to say, I want to try this project and maybe you guys will want to try it too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, your videos are so inspirational and it's like they're so easy and clear to follow. Um, have you found like a, I guess like a fan or someone try to like, you know, redo a video that you've done and um, what, what's been a memorable one for you? I've been fortunate to have uh, several people reach out and share their work with me. Sometimes they're following my tutorials directly. Sometimes they have gone off on a completely different tangent. And that's interesting too. Um, I think some of my most memorable have been either when children have replicated my projects. I have a very young friend. I think she's six now and she loves watching the videos and trying, you know, anything that has to do with paint or dyeing t-shirts or anything. So she sent me pictures or her mother has sent me those pictures. Um, and so she gets really jazzed about that. I've taught a few workshops where people get to make something with me. And uh, we did a quilted bag with the Pensacola Modern Quilt Guild, um, earlier this year. And so watching these women all make this bag that I patterned was just like mind blowing and, and really fulfilling. And we like had mistakes, but we fixed them on the fly. And it was just very like community kind of situation. So that felt really great. Um, I, that was the first time I've ever had someone sew something that I patterned. You know, it sounds really crazy, but like, it won't surprise me if I see you on TV one day, like on PBS or something, on like some craft and art show that you have. Well, it's, <laughs> I, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, the, the town that I just moved to is where Mr. Rogers went to college. Um, and so his father bought him a house there. The house is there. They just, I, I saw it on a tour. Um, and so there's a statue of him here. And he was a huge inspiration for me. Um, 
I didn't even realize how much of an inspiration he was when I started this because I didn't watch Mr. Rogers growing up, really. I just kind of knew of him. So I started making my tutorials in 2020, started watching Mr. Rogers later that year. And I just, you know, my mind was blown. I was like, this is what I want to be. This is who I want to try and emulate. I want to have that same um that same sense of responsibility for the audience that you're talking to. And so knowing that I'm like where he was now, that's just, I'm like, Oh my God, this is like such a cool moment. And I haven't gotten to explore all of that yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, he, he's definitely, um, someone that I, that I look up to a lot and just knowing so much about his passion. Um, I just, I really, I really feel that. (laughs) So, uh, you know, you've mentioned that, you know, you, you create a, bunch of different sorts of uh, video content. Has there any been either like recent um, trends that you've noticed or things that people are asking for or, you know, a funny video that you didn't think would resonate, but like people just ran wild with it? I Anytime I start dancing... <laughs> People said to get really excited. Um, I, I love dancing and I, I'm not a TikTok dancer. I don't learn like routines or whatever, but <laughs> maybe I should. You start them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I, I really just, I like, I like being physical. I think it's an extension of your creativity. And so anytime I do a dance video, that tends to go a little crazy. And it's been a while since I've done that, which means I'm probably due for another one soon. Um, and, and, you know, you, you hope someone doesn't look at you and say, what is he doing? <laughs> so that's always kind of a relief when people like it. Um, I have this one video on, um, YouTube. It's a tutorial for stained glass. It's a fake stained glass thing. And it is my highest viewed video to date there still by like thousands and thousands of views. Um, and I don't, I don't know why it's the same format as the video before and the video after is the same, but for some reason that one just really resonates with people. Um, so I'm probably going to try and do another version of that, an updated version. Um, I really am just enamored with a lot of painters on Instagram right now. Um, there are a couple in my area of Florida that just do like wonderful uh, mural paintings and things like that. Um, I'm not a muralist yet, <laughs> but maybe one day I'm very inspired by all of that. Um, and of course, lately quilting. Like I mentioned earlier that I went to QuiltCon for the first time this year and I still am just like buzzing with inspiration from that to try some new things. Um, so now I'm following all those people and I'm seeing all their quilting online and, and their works in progress. And I'm just like, ah, I need to get in on that immediately. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm definitely looking at <laughs> other people's work a lot more these days um, since I'm, I've been less able to make my own in the last month or two. Um, so I've got a, I've got a whole complement of ideas waiting to, waiting to get out. So, um, you know, when creating video content for social media, it can be pretty daunting, especially when you're putting your face out there and your voice. Um, do you have any advice or tips on how to overcome some of those barriers and creating engaging videos? I found that, well, first of all, you have to have a slightly narcissistic personality. <laughs> No, I really enjoy being on camera. I went to school um, for theater. Um, I was always a performer. So so the part of being on camera and doing the production side of everything, I'm excited by that stuff. Like if, if my job was to put someone else on camera and help them do something, I would love that. Um, 
However, I also like to be the one in front of the camera. So it all works out for me. And I think that that to that point, you have to enjoy various aspects of it to some degree in order to be able to do it, especially if you're doing it on your own. You know, if you are willing to do the research into what equipment you need and what equipment you don't need, um, you know, things like best post times, there are uh, quantifiable elements to having a social media presence that you can look up and, and, and it can be less difficult than it might seem. Um, but in terms of like managing oneself and, and, and that sort of thing, I think the most important part of what I've been doing is just trying to be as honest as possible and as transparent as possible. I think people don't like especially in 2023, when you are trying to deceive them, when you're trying to cheat them or you're lying to them, you know, and a lot of social media is lies. So I think that when you can be honest and, and real with people, they connect with that. Um, and again, that's not easy for everyone to do on camera because it's like, it, it, it's, a, it's like talking to a person. So you kind of have to give that person you're talking to, that camera, um, permission to really see you. And, and, you know, if you're ready for that sort of thing, then the way that that manifests itself can be really specific to you. You know, I think Mr. Larry is specific to me, the way that I edit and the way that I film myself and the way that I write and everything. Um, but it's also just a labor of love. So once you can fall in love with it a little bit, I think you can really have fun with it and it's less intimidating. Uh, but yeah, be honest, enjoy it, you know, get help. There's absolutely nothing wrong with getting help. Um, I wish I had gotten help a lot earlier. I bought a bunch of stuff on Amazon that I did not need. Um, but part of that learning process is also part of the reason why I love it so much now. Maybe you can make a video on things not to buy on Amazon. <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so in addition to everything that you've learned along the way, you've also worked in education for over a decade. Do you find that that experience really impacts or influences your, you know, how you approach creating video content? I think that it absolutely in, impacts everything. I, um, I think even now I see myself as a teacher first. Um, I fell in love with teaching when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> I, I remember that being the first job I ever said I wanted to have. And then when I got the job, it was kind of unexpected and I wasn't sure I was ready for it. Um, and so I spent a few years trying to hone my craft and, and, and learn from my instructors and my professors. And then when I went to Kent State and graduated from there and started teaching, I kind of got the confirmation that I had been doing, you know, things that were, um, recommended. And, you know, I, I, my instincts were in the right place, basically. And so I've, I've taken that with me through pretty much every encounter I have. I think that that when I, when I feel confident as a teacher, I feel confident as myself. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's because my ideas of a good teacher are kind of the same as my ideas of a good person. I think that you give people space and patience and grace and you um, meet people where they are and you give the complete information and you don't gatekeep and, you know, just all those sorts of things that I think make for a good academic educational experience. So I do bring those things to my videos, you know, and then I, I learn from a lot of the videos that I see online. I see tutorials that are entirely too long or too complicated, or I see, uh, uh, presenters who don't speak well or, or don't, you know, who mumble when they talk or whatever. Um, 
or people who don't talk to you, you know, and I, and I think that that's a big difference for the way that I produce content is I'm talking to um, the viewer, uh, similar to the way Mr. Rogers talked to us. And, and so I think that makes a difference. It feels more personal. Um, it feels more accessible. And, and so, yeah, my, my teaching deck, my teaching years absolutely influence all of that. I don't think I would be doing Mr. Larry without the teaching experience that I had. It's like very interesting. Yeah. Um, so we're recording this podcast while you're in the midst of relocating to a new space. Um, so do you have any big plans for your new crafting space? Oh my goodness. So my new space is slightly smaller than my old space, which no one ever wants to deal with, <laughs> but it does introduce a, uh, an opportunity to be creative <laughs> with the arrangement of the space and what I keep and don't keep. And so right now I'm sort of doing a mini purge. Um, I just have so many art supplies and um, fabric swatches and things that I've collected over the last few years, things that have been sent to me um, by some lovely partners and companies and things that I just can't get to all of it. Um, I, I, maybe I need to get a PO box of this. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but I, I have a bunch of stuff and, and I'm finding I'm actually right in the middle of a trip to go and teach a workshop at my alma mater for art teachers. And so I'm thinking that this could be another outlet for some of those things that I receive. You know, if, if someone sends me a box of fabric they don't want anymore, maybe I can take that into a workshop and show people what to do with it. Um, as opposed to becoming the craft hoarder that <laughs> lies beneath. Like um, all of us. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn to um, organize even more than I did before and be a little bit uh, less um, indulgent <laughs> with the buying of craft supplies and such, uh, but also just thinking strategically, you know, if I'm going to be recording in this space and making in this space and sewing and there needs to be lighting and there needs to be, uh, you know, air and there needs to be, you know, all those sorts of things, then I can go into this space and design it to fit all of those needs. And so far it's looking really good. I'm, I'm probably about a weekend away from being able to do anything in there. Um, but it is coming together nicely and it's given me a new sense of, of, uh, excitement about everything. I feel like I'm starting again, which is nice. So uh, you kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, that this has been a huge interruption in your crafting schedule and, you know, all that. How do you find you've stayed creative or how would you, what would you recommend to others to stay creative? Like, you know, when life gets up and down, whether it's through a move or other, you know, life hiccups. Right. I, I think that the things that has saved me in the last couple of weeks, which have been just me loading my car, loading the truck, driving 40 miles, unloading it, going back and doing it over and over and over again for the last two weeks. Um, watching other people be creative. I've, you know, definitely been paying more attention to the content creators that I follow online. I've been watching some of my old television that I really feel um, charges me back up. I've been watching a lot of Frasier. <laughs> And I'm just noticing like the the whole art style of I think there I think it has a name now. I can't recall what it is, but people are like revisiting that era and just looking at the way that we looked at art and culture and you know things that made us feel luxurious and stuff. And so just like turning my mind to those other things is giving me fuel for later. Um 
So I, I'm just trying to absorb as much as I can from everything else and things that are easy. You know, I don't need to stress myself out more right now than I already am. So watch TV, listen to some podcasts, um, you know, just absorb the artistic, uh, the art, the artistry from other people. And then hopefully you can bring it back out when you're ready <laughs> after your hibernation period. I like that hibernation. Yeah. <laughs> you do every so often. You need a creative, yeah, a creativity hibernation. You really do. I, I, I mean, I, I think that my biggest, um, the way that I would put all of that into a nugget is that it's okay to take a break, a physical, mental break from the making of things. I think not a lot of people or not enough people acknowledge that. And and that was my test for myself this past week is I needed to stop and just take a break and stop stressing because I had all these other stress happening already. Um, so giving myself permission to do that and just absorb the stuff instead. Um, I went to an art museum. Um, you know, I just, it's, it's good to feed that part of your creative self and not always worry about the, the output. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or oh, like what, what video are you going to create next? What are you going to be making next? It's, it's, it's yeah. really stressful. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> so as you're creating, you're recharging your creative batteries, do you have any other fun projects in the horizon that you're able to share with our listeners? Absolutely. I am. So I mentioned that puzzle earlier. Um, the, the company that made the puzzles, a piece puzzles actually did two different designs of mine and Long story short, we found that some of them are slightly defective. They're still full puzzles, but they're slightly defective, you know, like a little misprint or something. So I'm taking parts of those and I'm going to make some crafts with with those puzzle pieces instead of putting it together as a puzzle. I've never done that before, but I've been looking at a lot of inspiration online. Um, so that's, I think, going to be fun and, and just stress-free. You know, if it doesn't come out beautiful, it doesn't matter, but it could be fun. Um, I've got a, a new uh, laser printer coming my way. And so I'm going to be experimenting with that. Um, and that's all I can say about that one. <laughs> that sounds so exciting. <laughs> I'm at a point in my social media career where I'm starting to sign NDAs and things. And that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. They're always fun. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I love working with new craft technology, especially technology that allows you to sew with it. So, you know, any of the cutter machines that allow you to work with fabric, those are always fun and definitely good for some of the quilting stuff that I'm going to be trying soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I might even try some paper piecing eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually, I think paper piecing is going to be one of my um, upcoming videos. It's I've, I've run away from it for too long. I have no more excuses. <laughs> so with all the uh, NDAs on, on the top secret note, everyone should stay tuned. But in the meantime, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty crafty questions. Are you ready, Larry? I am ready. Okay, Wendy, why don't you take it away? (laughs) Okay, so what is your favorite time of day to sew? 4 a.m., early morning, absolutely. And music, Netflix, podcasts, or the sounds of silence while sewing? Oh, I guess Netflix or or music, usually one or the other. Um, But I definitely have to have something in the background to jazz me up. (laughs) And what's your current favorite? My current favorite, so I'm watching Frasier. Great for sewing. Very calming. Um, <laughs> musically, I'm listening to old Katy Perry right now. <laughs> yeah, just kind of jumping around. And if you allow snacks in the craft room, what is your favorite 
snack to snack on. Oh my goodness. I absolutely require snacks in the craft room. Um, <laughs> the drawer directly under my sewing machine is filled with snacks. <laughs> mostly, <laughs> and, and most often uh, sour gummy bears are, are my absolute Yum. favorite. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, sew, I sew a line. I have a gummy bear. It's great. <laughs> Do you have a favorite brand? <laughs> Haribo. Oh, okay. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Albanese. Albanese sour. Oh, yes. Yeah. Haribo's too firm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And of all the crafts that you do, which one would you pick on a rainy day? Ooh, on a rainy day, I think I want to be sewing. I think I think I just you know just drill down into a project maybe like a wearable or something and just play Project Runway. Oh yeah, I love that. <laughs> I give myself like twelve hour shifts to work on the thing. It's great. I love it. What is one quilting technique you'd like to try? Ooh, okay. So I'm I'm going to be trying the log cabin block soon. But in terms of techniques, I want to do a true improv quilts right now. My improv quilts are kind of like, here's a bundle of fabrics that all go together and they're just, in, you know, weird shapes and stuff. But, but I want to do something that really is just randomized scraps, you know, not something that I've already kind of curated to make, you know, appeal to a certain thing. Cause I think that that's what the challenge really is. And what sewing notion couldn't you live without? Oh my goodness. Um, I have, <laughs> I have this pair of tweezers that I don't know where they came from. <laughs> They're just very long and they have a little angle on them. And I use them to uh, do so many things with both my machines. I use it to help me load my serger. Um, I use it to help me remove a broken needle. Like I just, it's just always there and very handy. And then I have a small pair of snips that are just a regular pair of plastic, like Fiskars snips, but I've had them for almost 10 years now. Nice. And I can't imagine ever losing them. <laughs> Knock on wood. So what is your favorite part of the quilt making process? Hmm. I think once the top is done and you're ready to, to make the sandwich, I like everything after that. I just don't ever get to that part often enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so much work before. And what is your least favorite part of the quilt making process? I hope I'm not alone in this, but the binding, I just, I never trust myself enough to just do it. I always have to agonize over it for a week or two and then just like, oh, please let it be right. Um, because I've seen so many people do it so neatly and it's just like a little nice, beautiful fold. Um, it just gives me anxiety every time. <laughs> what is one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? Hmm. I hate pinning when I'm quilting. Um, and when I'm, when I'm sandwiching the quilt, if I could get that like spray adhesive stuff, it makes me feel great. I hate the pinning part. Um, it's just, it's too tedious for me and I would rather take a chance <laughs> and have to fix it three or four times. <laughs> and who is your quilty BFF? Oh, my quilty BFF. Um, oh my goodness. Oh, um, um, Quiltosaurus, uh, his name is oh, Orlando. Yes. Yeah. We love Orlando. Yeah. Orlando, <laughs> Orlando did my first, um, my first uh, long arm surfacing, um, and and with a quilt that someone commissioned from me, and it was so beautiful and so perfect, and and I just did not want to give it up, but I had to. <laughs> and so we are going to be collaborating again soon on a personal quilt, um, and I just can't wait to see what he comes up with because he does amazing work. So before we wrap today up, we've got just one more question for you. And that is, who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why? 
Okay, so so the first is Pete Ellison. He is an illustrator, a screen printer. Um, he lives in Toronto, and he just makes just wonderful garments and designs and stickers and all sorts of things. Um, and and we've gotten to collaborate a couple of times so far. Um, uh, Julian creates. He's uh, just a, a really wonderful sewist. Uh, makes a lot of clothing that he wears that I want to wear. <laughs> um, and I think we're about the same size. <laughs> and I think he's based in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, just does wonderful work and, and works with a lot of interesting fabrics that I would like to work with and garment wear that I just am too chicken to work with right now. Um, and then lastly, uh, Jessica Nicole, she goes by Jessica is Tri-Curious. She is an actor who also just happens to make all of her own clothes um, and shoes and accessories and hats and things. And she um, is just a really, really wonderful person. I got to know her by <laughs> first watching her television shows and then reaching out to her on Instagram and just saying, I love you. And then learning that she did all the sewing and crochet and just like amazing stuff. Um, so I, I definitely think that she will wow you if you follow her. So on that note, we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadcloth Studio. Wendy. I'm at the.weekendquilter. And Larry. I'm at Mr.Larry. That's M-I-S-T-E-R dot L-A-R-R-I-E. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com, for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love, by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 <laughs>